Welcome to Wisdom Trek with Gramps. I am Guthrie Chamberlain and we are on day 2126 of our trek. The purpose of Wisdom Trek is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, and to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Today we are continuing with our ongoing series of messages that I delivered at Putnam Congregational Church over the past couple of years. This message is week 8 of a 14-week series from the book of James titled, Wisdom is Faith in Action. I pray that it will be a conduit of learning and encouragement for you. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, kids, for being up here and learning about being gentle today. And that's part of what we're going to focus on in our message today as we continue in the book of James, Wisdom is Faith in Action. And as I've mentioned before, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, the letter of James. And last week, we focused on controlling our tongue, or in our modern vernacular, zipping our lips. I know we could all do a better job at that. In today's world, we have a lot of knowledge. And it seems to be increasing exponentially. But we seem to be lacking something that's sorely needed, and that is wisdom. So today, today we want to look at persons who are wise, unwise, and otherwise. Those are the people that just have no clue what they're doing. So if you'll join me on page 1884 of your few Bibles, we're going to read from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 this morning. And as I mentioned before, if you keep your passage open as we go through the message today and follow along, I think it'll be helpful. So James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice." But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And as with so many things in life, the principles of planting and harvesting apply about our wisdom. And as most of you are aware of, and I say it sort of tongue-in-cheek, I consider myself quite a lumberjack with my huge chainsaw. But there's an old proverb that says, a tree is best measured when it's down. And the actual size and quality of a tree's lumber is best determined after it's fallen and is then on the ground. And so too true is the accurate measurement of a person's accomplishment many times can be seen toward the end of their life. Now, this proverb that I just mentioned is especially true of the life of Solomon. He was King David's son. And during Solomon's reign over Israel, he thrived as an author, a diplomat, a poet, a politician, a philanthropist, an architect, an engineer, and much more, besides being a good king. And at his apex, Solomon was a man unparalleled by any other. He was considered the wisest man who ever lived. 
and how Solomon accomplished so much in his lifetime, we still sort of scratch our head. But 2 Chronicles chapter 1 provides us the answer. When Solomon inherited his kingdom from his father David, God appeared to him in a vision, as recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. That night God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you ask? And I will give it to you. Can you imagine that offer? If you had a dream and God came to you and says, Ask for anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. What would be our response? What would you do in that situation? Well, Solomon reveals his true character in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, Give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? In essence, he answered, I've inherited this overwhelming task. More than anything else, I need wisdom. I need practical insight into the subtleties of life so that I can govern your people well. I ask nothing more. Now that response is true humility. And with open hands, he turned to God to give him what he needed to accomplish what he needed to do. And then about a thousand years after, Solomon gave this request to God for wisdom to accomplish his calling. Another descendant of David, the half-brother of Jesus, James, wrote in verse chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And that was written not only to the, the Christians of his day, but to us. And as I said from the beginning of this series, the book of James is the New Testament book of Proverbs. And like Solomon's own contrast between Madam Folly and Lady Wisdom in the first section of Proverbs, James in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, contrasts the wise and the unwise. And then these six short verses, he paints two pictures with a palette of colorful words. One, a person is who lacks God's wisdom. And the other portrait is of a person who has received wisdom from above. And if you'll look at your insert in the bulletin today, I've broken it down between the wise and the unwise. And we'll be going through those this, in today's message. And James starts out his passage, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? And James isn't really asking for a show of hands here. Obviously, most of us think that we are wise and knowledgeable. And we sure like to share that with others. But it's like the popular game show of not too many years ago, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Well, that's a pretty dumb question. I think most of us would say, I want to be a millionaire because of the things that would give us, the opportunities that it would afford to us. But that game's real challenge was demonstrating the depths and the length of someone's knowledge. How much do they know about obscure and trivial things? And few of us would ever measure up to be able to participate on that program. And that's the point of James' question. You think that you're wise and understanding? Well, we'll see about that. Let's look at a couple of things that will test the quality of your wisdom. And then James instructs the wise person to prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works, in verse 13. 
And this refers to a changed lifestyle of the believer, a topic that James already treated in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. A couple weeks ago, remember, everything up to that point pointed to that crucial passage, and everything after that in the letter of James points back to that central theme, that central passage in James chapter 2. The life of a wise person changes toward the good, exhibiting obedience to God and his word. And the wisdom relates directly to the central theme, which is the theme that we have for James, this James series, is wisdom is faith in action. We can have smarts, we can have wits, we can have education, but that doesn't make a person wise. Instead, a sage person reflects on the truth of their lifestyle. Next, we see that James says our good works must be done with humility that comes from wisdom. Humility, meekness, gentleness. Some would think of this as a marks of a weak and spineless person who let other people walk all over them. But that's not the case. Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. And that's closely tied to another fruit, which is self-control. If you have gentleness and self-control partnered together, that shows real wisdom. It's a word that's used to describe a high-spirited horse. If you think about a horse before it's tamed and how high-spirited it is, but once that horse is brought under control, it's not lost any of its natural strength and abilities, but it carries that strength with gentleness and humility. And that's how we picture biblical wisdom. The concept has a profound practical implications. Many times we look at a good teacher or a good preacher, and we inver invariably gravitate towards someone who we think should be intellectual, an astute person, and preferably we want our preachers to have seminary training. But wise leaders and mentors know when, they, know when to put on the brakes and when to accelerate. And it's not by accident that Paul, when Paul profiles a good church leader, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, he says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, but to be patient with difficult people. That makes a good teacher or preacher. In verse 14 through 16, once James introduced what a little snippet of what wisdom is, the marks of a wise person that lives a good life with gentle works, James then shifts gears and spends some time describing the signs of an unwise person. So follow along with me on our column of an unwise person, in verse 14, it starts with two heart-level signs, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart. And these disposition overflows in a person's life, which James describes, with ultimate results are actions that are mentioned in verse 16. So first of all, let's look at bitterly jealous. And that likely refers to the jealousy that harbors hard feelings against others. For example, a jealous person has his hands full of everything they could handle, but they feel that their accomplishments and belongings are threatened by other people's successes. In addition, jealousy is usually linked to selfish ambition. 
The heart of an unwise person carries an unsatiable desire and hunger to push themselves to the top, but they don't plan on taking anyone with them. In fact, they're pushing down others in order to get to the top. And James tells us in verse 15, for jealousy and selfish ambition are not God's kind of wisdom. He proceeds to tell us how this is manifested by five character traits of an unwise person. The first character trait is boasting. And the Greek word means to triumph over others. And thus it means proudly justifying our sinful actions, which is contrary to God inspired humility and wisdom. The second character trait is lying. Despite a lot, what a lot of philosophers, theologians, and yes, unfortunately, even preachers say today, truth is not an unmovable standard. We can forget about the postmodern concepts of relative, relative truth and the uncertainty of truth. God's revealed truth corresponds to the way things are because they're laid out in his word. The unwise, however, change their truth standard to match their own beliefs and lifestyle because they want to live by the truth that they want to live by. The third character trait of an unwise person is that they are earthly. And this word means they're of the earth. And James contrasts this later with from above. And it's a purely horizontal perspective, worldly measures of truth, earthly standards of success, material motives, and temporal priorities. This is somebody who's earthly. The fourth character trait is unspiritual. And this is unwise, which literally means that they're soulish. And the Greek word is related to what we have for psyche or our psychology, which applies to self or our inward human motives. And thus, the source of wisdom for an unwise person comes from their own thoughts their own attitudes, their own interests, their own pursuits, and not from the Spirit's wisdom from above. And the last character trait listed here is demonic. And the word doesn't necessarily mean that worldly wisdom comes straight from demonic beings, though that could be the case in some situations. Instead, it emphasizes that wisdom reflecting this type of philosophy or pattern of thinking is contrary to God's truth so that the devil could actually agree with this type of wisdom. So you see, an unwise heart is marked by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and such a person is boastful, lying, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic in their character traits. And James ends this portrait with the, of the unwise with a brief description, and this is how what happens with the unwise person. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. In the wake of the unwise, we see waves of chaos, confusion, disharmony, antagonism, and pettiness. And it doesn't take watching too many newscasts today to realize that not only here in the United States, but throughout the world, that they're being governed by unwise wisdom. And it's certainly not an example we want to follow. So let's move on to verses 17 and 18. And having described earthly wisdom with very blunt terms, James ends his stark contrast with wisdom from above. So follow along on the column on your bulletin insert on the wise. As we've already mentioned in verse 13, the signs of a godly wise person is to prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. 
And James revisits this kind of person that has a kind heart, showing the eight character traits uh, that are marked in their lives. And then we'll look at the following results of those. The first character trait of a wise person is that they are pure. Wisdom is first above, it's from above is first of all pure. And this word first doesn't mean it's the first on our list here. It indicates an order of importance of God-given wisdom to produce a life of purity of internal motives as well as external actions, which we talked about faith without works is dead. This is saying one of the character traits of a wise person is that they end their life not only live it, but they act it out through their life. This kind of lifestyle has a built-in promise. And we studied this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. The purity of thought allows us to see God working in our lives and understanding the circumstances of, those circum of his situation. The second character trait is peace-loving. In this contrast, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, which are the traits of an unwise person. God-given wisdom produces peaceful relationships. The natural tendency for most of us is to be argumentative, to be quarrelsome, to be belligerent, and to be quick-tempered. But that is not the traits of a wise person. God's supernatural life within us guards us against alienating others. Instead, we, we seek to remove any type of ill will we have with someone else. And G Jesus has promised those who are peace-loving in Matthew chapter six or five verse nine, he says, "God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God." The third character trait is someone who is gentle, and this is a trait of a wise person. Not only are they gentle, but they're gentle at all times, and this means that they're equitable, they're moderate, they're yielding, and it describes a person who surrenders its own rights to a higher ideal. Now, in our day. If somebody violates you or you think you're violated, you strike out with a lawsuit over the most insignificant offenses. And that's worldly wisdom. It's petty, it's contentious, it's selfish, and it's bitter. But God's wisdom, we are willing to remain gentle, even when our rights are challenged. That's a sign of a wise person. The fourth character trait is willing to yield. And it comes from two Greek words, well and persuadable. And together they mean that you're easily persuaded. But don't get the wrong idea here. This yielding doesn't mean that a wise person can be trampled over or is a naive pushover. Instead, it's a sense of someone who is teachable. Somebody who puts aside his own stubbornness and readily yields to the truth. It can refer to a person who is conciliatory, flexible, and open to change. When the Spirit of God captures our heart, it does a deep work within us, and it softens us. And I can't think of a better example than Abraham. In his relationship with his nephew Lot, in Genesis chapter 13, it exemplifies a kind of conciliatory attitude. God blessed both of these men. They came together. Lot came with his uncle Abraham from the the land of Ur, of the Chaldees, and they went into the land of Canaan, and their flocks and their herds grew to so large 
that their herdsmen were fighting one against the other because the pasture land was too scarce for them. Did Abraham say, Lot, take your herdsmen and your flocks and move over into the desert. We don't have enough room here for both of us. No, he had godly wisdom. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between our, us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice, any section of the land that you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you want the land to the right, then I'll take the land to the left. And you know what happened to Lot? He took the land toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Those rich, fertile plains for his flocks. But let's look back at Abraham. Now that's a man of wisdom. He was reasonable, cooperative, and flexible. And he knew that God would take care of him, even if Lot chose the best lands. The fifth character trait is being full of mercy. And those are somebody who exhibits wisdom, from above, that person is merciful. If grace is giving a person a blessing they don't deserve, then mercy is withholding a judgment or punishment that a person does deserve. Say somebody deserves a punishment, and you are just the person to administer it. But mercy implies looking beyond with compromise. Although that person may deserve punishment, you choose mercy instead. While worldly wisdom would heap ridicule and judgment on another person, mercy shows kindness and benevolence against somebody who may deserve punishment. The sixth character trait is fruits of good deeds. Wise people are filled with good fruits. And James ties this closely with the previous quality of mercy. It probably refers to our outward action that accompanies our attitude toward others. A person who is full of mercy will be bountiful in their blessing toward others. Godly wisdom, on the other hand, puts mercy, not only are you willing to, you put that mercy to work, abounding in fruitful deeds. You're willing to go that extra mile. The seventh character trait is somebody who shows no favoritism is a wise person. And this term is a person who is fixed in their principles, who will never violate their biblical standards regardless of the situation. They will not say the end justifies the means. Yet this steadfast person is neither willing to compromise the truth of the scripture at any time. Never. They don't go so far to say extreme legalism, well, you must follow these set of rules. But they also know that there is biblical truth and they will not compromise that truth. This kind of balance takes true wisdom. It's hard for us. One, most of us love to follow a set of rules because then we know where we stand. But that's not what God's love is about. The last character trait is somebody who has wisdom from above is sincere. And James describes this as above as always sincere. And this is related to a word that describes an actor in a Greek play. Now, during the Greek play, they didn't have a whole cast of people that they could have in these plays. And every actor had to play multiple parts. They would take on different roles. And the way they did that was 
if they were supposed to be a happy person, they would put on a happy mask and joyous and showing that they were full of glee and happiness. And why they had this mask up, they were displaying that they were a happy person. And that's how they did their plays. So we'll put this happy person here. But what happened if they were then become a sad person and had to play a role of a sad person? Then they would put on the sad mask and say, oh, mercy me. And they played the part of a sad person. They took on a different mask. They became a different person when they had to play the sad person. But then they would run off stage to the left and they'd come back as a villain. And they played the part of a villain, a villainous person who did destruction and caused people anguish and pain. And when they wore this mask, then they were the villain. They may have changed their outfit a little bit. They may have changed just the mask. But that's how the Greek plays worked. You might have one person playing multiple parts. And that's the essence of hypocrisy. Somebody who's not sincere. They're shiftless. They're unstable. They're unstable. They're unpredictable in their lives. But believers who are endowed with the spirit of wisdom will live a life of sincerity. We won't put on a different mask depending on what we're playing that part of our life. Our mask will always be the same. It will be without a mask. It will be sincere. And they follow the WYSIWYG principle. We learned this in computer language, but that is what you see is what you get. The WYSIWYG principle. We don't put on mask as a wise believer. And following these eight character traits of a wise person, we see the results on your column down there at the bottom. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And the word peace refers to relational harmony. It means how we interact one with another. Regardless of what the circumstances, we will be at peace one with another. And we're planting these seeds of peace in the laws of planting and harvesting. What you plant is what you get. Remember last week we say figs don't come from grapevines? The same way. If we plant seeds of peace, we'll reap harvest of righteousness, a right living. On the other hand, though, James compares this with verse 16. There you'll find disorder and evil of every kind because an unwise person is always stirring up the pot, stirring contentiousness among each other. So what's the application here? Now, Paul and I are going to the Boston Fine Arts Museum or Fine Arts Museum in Boston. There's a quilting exposition, so that's where we're going this next week. And then we're going to a nephew's wedding reception down in Alabama after that at the end of the week. But in that museum, I'm sure we'll see portraits, paintings, or pictures of people, wise people, unwise people, good people, bad people. So imagine yourself sitting in an art gallery, a small room, and on opposite sides of that gallery are two portraits. On one side is a portrait of an unwise person. This person is arrogant. They're worldly, devilish. They fall, have a black, black backdrop on them. 
and it stirs emotions of anger and envy. The scraggly beard and mustache veil its features and cast a shadow over its shifty eyes. It leaves chaos and destruction in its wake. They're unflinching toward their pursuit of their goals, driven by jealousy and ambition. And the caption under this portrait will read, The Unwise, a self-portrait. But the portrait on the facing wall, the opposite wall, is a portrait of a wise person. And with this portrait, we get a totally different feel just by looking at these pictures. His life is exemplified by somebody who has a gentle demeanor, a posture of relax, relax, relaxation, and expresses serene. Their eyes are inviting, and their hands are ready for service. Their life exemplifies by people who want to hear their word and mimic their lives. Children celebrate their arrival, delighted to see what words of truth that they bring. They're so respected, he shows no sign of pride, and his path are joy, peace, and prosperity. And below the portrait of this caption, it says, The wise, painted by the Spirit of God. In light of these two contrasting pictures of the wise and the unwise in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, which portrait do you identify with? I know which one I want to identify with. But do you struggle with jealousy of others and their successes? Is your life motivated by personal pursuits at the cost of peace? How have your inward feelings and outward actions affect those around you? Do disorder and pettiness mark your life? Do you pursue the things of the world rather than the things of God? Or are you characterized by a life of gentleness and humility? Do people know you as a person of mercy, authenticity, and peace? Do you act in the same way at your home as you act at work or church or when you're out in public with your buddies? Do, others, do you build others up? Do you rejoice at their successes? Do you place the needs and interests of others ahead of your own? Do you live in harmony and in your wake is joy and peace? And as you seriously think about this question today, avoid answering the question on what you would like to be or you wish you were. Instead, answer, how are you? Try to defend your answer with actual evidence that you see in your life that comes to mind. And ask yourself whether your closest family members or friends would answer the question the same way that you do. And after you identify with either portrait, wise or unwise, it's time to think through our responses. For the wise, we need to respond to God with thanksgiving, praising him for making us wise and molding our lives through our unfolding years. You are not wise on your own making, but the inner working of God's spirit in your life. On the other hand, for the unwise, ask God for his wisdom. As we're told in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll give it to you generously, abundantly. He'll pour it out so that you have more wisdom than you can handle. Determine which character problems that you need to address and explicitly ask God, for your, God to help you overcome those. Do you need to mend particular relationships? Well, 
Ask God and do it. You need to forsake selfish pursuits. Ask God and do it. You need to start your neglected spiritual practices of exercise or exercises of prayer, worship, and scripture reading. It's never too late to start. Never too late to start to do the right thing. Don't let the effects of folly spiral out of control. Allow God to begin repainting. He can take a portrait of an unwise person and paint it into a beautiful tapestry of a wise person. And he can do that in each of our lives. You'll begin to reflect not your frail character, but reflect the character of the Son of God. And that's the difference between a wise and an unwise person. And that's what James wants to get across in this passage today. So ask yourself, are you wise? Are you unwise? And then let God paint a portrait of a wise person in your life. Now in two weeks, when I'm back, we're going to learn how fights start, and more importantly, how they're stopped. And we'll be looking at James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. So if you'll, between now and two weeks from now, read through that in preparation for that message, I would appreciate it. But next week, be here. Listen, John has some a good message on the character of Mark out of the New Testament. And I'm looking forward to watching it online. So to bring John's wisdom, and I appreciate John filling in next week for me. So today, let us be wise. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your goodness to us. We thank you that we can come to your word and it's laid out in black and white how to be wise, how to be unwise. Let us choose wisdom, Father. Let us ask you every day to fill us with wisdom that we might know how to be wise, that we might follow your word, that we might be peacemakers, that we might look out after the interest of others more than the interest of ourselves. Give us the strength to do so, Father. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I pray that this message was a blessing and a time of learning from God's Word. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend, as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and create a great day every day. See you next time for more wisdom from God's Word.